we have a guest in the house this morning um, and a little bit about Pastor Israel before I ask him to come and, and join me up on the stage. Um, he is, I was saying to the, to the volunteers earlier, he's one of the guys that I wish I had known earlier in my, in my Christian journey. I feel like my life would have been so much more refreshed and um, inspired. Um, and I would have been so much uh, kind of enriched, more enriched had I known him a, a, a few years earlier. He is um, an incredible, um, incredible pastor. He's an incredible human being. He's got a CV that I think would make most 60-year-olds quite jealous, uh, if, I'm, if I'm honest. Uh, everything from working at Bethel, Supernatural School of Ministry, uh, overseeing the healing rooms, to living as a Christian monk. For a year, he is also uh, Ken Costa's PA. <laughs> so Ken Costa, you guys know Ken Costa. He's uh, sort of in the in the business world. You know, he does casual things like facilitating the sale of Harrods. You know, casual Tuesday, banking for for guys that have you know hundreds of millions of of, of dollars in the accounts. Quite a quite a big deal. Israel sort of yeah um, makes sure everything happens there for uh, Ken. Um, and Israel is the Father's House Cape Town side pastor. And uh, we are so honored to have him share this morning uh, and impart in the house. And, and Israel, I've been so looking forward to this day. We spoke about it for a while. Can't believe it's, it's actually here uh, that uh, we get to receive from you. Yes, finally. So Father's House, Jabba, could we please welcome Pastor Israel onto the stage this morning as he shares the word. Good morning, Jabba. Listen, signal if I drop this hand mic. I'm so terrible of, um, with handheld mics. Um, but um, I speak very expressively with my hands, and so my hands are, keep dropping. So, sound team, just signal me. Uh, I was thinking and praying for the church this morning. I was reminded of Romans chapter 1, verse 11, where the Apostle Paul writes um, to the Roman church, and he says, I have longed to see you. I have longed to be with you so that I might impart something to you, and so that our faith may mutually be encouraged. And I've heard all the incredible things that God's been doing here in Jeffreys Bay. Um, I saw this venue like the day you signed for it. And so it was completely empty. And it's been incredible to just be here this morning, see how you've turned a venue into a house of God, a home to belong to. So I really want to commend you. Well done on building a church. Well done on showing up. Well done on serving the kingdom of God. There is surely something unique happening here. And it's because people like you are showing up, you're giving your time, you're giving your resources, you're giving your love towards serving a house of God in the city of Jeffreys Bay. I strongly believe something is coming for this city, but it comes and it happens. A move of God is coming, but it will only happen through people getting on their knees and praying. People getting on their knees and serving even when it's not comfortable to serve. This is a unique season we're in post-COVID, rebuilding our lives. A lot of people are going around, looking around, wondering. Life just isn't really picking up. It's, we're just kind of in this weird place where life seems to just be a little bit stuck. God, what is the next steps we're needing to take? And I'm going to say this just because I am visiting here and I get to leave later. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Church, God is doing something unique here, but it needs your hands and it needs your feet. It needs you to start getting involved. And so I, I know what's happening here, and I know people sometimes serve for the purpose of wanting all these other things added to you. God promises that if you spend your time, if you pursue the kingdom of God, that these things will be added, but that's not why we do it. We serve church 
we spend our time serving one another, whether that looks like getting involved in kids' church, which isn't the easiest space to get involved with. That's a constant struggle for us in Cape Town also trying to get. But in early days of ministry, especially for space like that, sacrificing your time to get involved in there actually sows into the future of this community. There's so many things that as pastors we have to try to deal with when people in their 20s and their 30s and, and onwards that we, don't, we wouldn't have to deal with if we can just raise kids up correctly from the early age. And so it might take a little bit of sacrificial volunteering time in that kids' church space to get a team together. But if you get 10 people involved or you're on once every five weeks, I think that's worth, that's worth sacrificially serving a community like this. So I just want to encourage you, get involved, serve, give your time, give your resources. God is doing something unique here. God has appointed an incredible leader in Lloyd. As I've traveled all over the world. I've ministered in so many different languages, different contexts, different church denominations. I've met leaders from all over, every walks of faith, every personality type. And I'm seldomly impressed by people. There are so many, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. There are so many church leaders out there that are leading churches with very strange ulterior motives. You're sitting with the real deal here. You're sitting someone who's got a genuine, pure heart who simply wants to worship God, create a space where others can worship God and love and look after people. Cherish this man, celebrate him, support him, because I'm telling you, You've got the real deal in a leader here. You are blessed, JBM. I want to speak to you today about one of my favorite topics. And it's a topic of prayer. The reason why in this season I feel very strongly that the Lord put this on me is because if you study revival church history, not a single move of God has happened without it being preceded by a movement of prayer. Every great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in church history has been preceded by people pursuing prayer. And I strongly believe God is wanting to do something in the church in South Africa, but it means we actually need to start prioritizing prayer. There's a famous passage in, in Malachi where it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse of God. But it's the next passages where it says, that says nations will come to you and call you blessed. You see, there's something, it's not about giving, but there is something that seems to happen in the spiritual when the people of God react in a spirit of benevolence that the heaven seems to be poured out over a region. You want to see nations look towards Jeffrey Bay, Jeffrey's Bay and call it blessed. But that happens through the people of God reacting in a spirit of benevolence, giving joy, giving love, creating spaces where people can encounter God. And that's what you're doing here. But I want to speak to you about prayer today because I think so often Christians don't pray because there's just a massive misunderstanding around prayer. We've either over made it overly religious, which I understand. I actually did live as a monk. Or we just make it a very like light thing, you know, which is kind of sending good vibes out there and just hoping for the best, which it just isn't. So I want to read for you our opening passage today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 13. And it's from the message translation. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are simply prayer ignorant. 
They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. You can pray very simply. So what is it about prayer? Prayer, not prayers. There's a lot of people in the world that does prayers and just kind of sends it out into the cosmos, sending their positive enforcements. They're hoping for some sort of cosmic energy force to send them good vibes back. But what is it about prayer where we have this opportunity to not only touch the heart of God, but to be touched by God? How many of you honestly can say this, that when you pray in the mornings, you're expecting to interact with God? How many of you are actually getting on your knees and talking to God with the expectation that he will talk back to you? How many of you are praying for healing with an expectation that healing will actually happen? How many of you are praying for provision with the expectation that God will actually respond to your request for provision? How many of you are praying for protection with the expectation that he will actually send his armies to protect you? But prayer has to come from a genuine relationship. I think for too long, the church have prayed without the presence of God with them. We've been given the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the morning, you're praying with the presence of the creator present with you. Prayer is a topic that's very dear to my heart. I remember being around seven or eight when my aunt taught me how to pray. And she made me, it's really cool. She, she taught me that prayer has to start from a place of thanksgiving. So she made me a list of things to be thankful and thank God for in prayer. For some reason, that list included oranges. And I remember extensively thanking God for oranges that morning. Why? I have absolutely no time. But later in life, around the age of eight, nine, I started to learn how to, as a very good Dutch Reformed boy, how to keep a still potato where I would try to sit quietly with God in the morning and trying to listen. And I kept hearing about this still small voice and wondering, am I hearing it? Um, and slowly learning to develop this, this place of intimacy with God. Later in my teenage years, prayers started looking very different than it did before that. Prayers started looking like ecstatic prayer meetings at a Pentecostal church I grew up in. We would spend an hour and a half every Monday evening praying in tongues and I sometimes had no idea what was going on, but we kept praying and prayer marching and walked around the building and we blow shofars and waved flags and you named that prayer was this ecstatic experience. And then I went to Bethel and prayer started looking a lot like deep times of worship to God. And then after Bethel, prayer changed again when I suddenly found myself living as a monk, wearing a robe in church services. I actually have a picture, it's just a treat, just for you guys, um, of me in in my robe in Lambeth Palace. Um, I think I look great in that robe. I really made it work. Um, not quite sure if the church needs to introduce robes, but we can talk about them. Prayer at the monastery looked very different. It looked like hours of silent contemplative prayer where you're sort of just sitting and meditating on scripture. Or you're just sitting in silence, learning how to be with God. I found that to be the most difficult season of prayer in my life. You see, I grew up learning to do stuff in prayer, learning my, my faith needed to look like something. 
And suddenly I was forced to sit in a 900-year-old crypt that's been a prayer room in the heart of the Anglican communion to simply sit in silence and to be with God. Sometimes to simply reflect on the finished works of the cross. And there's all of these different practices. But I needed to learn how to just simply be with God. And it changed the dynamic in my prayer where initially it felt like I was just sitting quietly and nothing was happening. But during that season, I started to cultivate a realization that I was sitting in the presence of my creator. And when the time came for me to start to pray, I suddenly realized that I was talking to my good father in heaven who's sitting with me right there. And so sometimes we simply just need to stop all the hassle of our prayer and simply learn to just be with God in these times of intimacy. Because prayer is about a relationship. Sometimes we approach our faith too methodologically and we tend to try to tick all the Christian boxes. We've been baptized. We've attended an Alpha course. We're volunteering at church. We're speaking in tongues. We're um, giving our weekly, our monthly tithes. And we seem to think this is what... This is what Christianity looks like. By the way, I love this. This is what family is. (laughs) And we try to think, we try to tick all the boxes that makes up being a good Christian. And we forget that that's just not what the Christian faith is about. Christian faith is about a relationship with a creator who not only wants to know humanity, but know humanity so much that he came to humanity so that he could touch us. We are in constant union with God because the presence of God has made us his dwelling place. And for eternity, the Godhead will be hosting humanity in it as Jesus is forever fully God and fully human. We are constantly engaging and being touched by the divine. Prayer is about relationship and relationships require communication. There can be no genuine faith in God without a deep place of communion with God. Communion does look like partaking of the body and the blood. But again, it's another ritual where we miss out on its genuine communication. What marriage would work if you suddenly just had ritualistic time together rather than just having a heart-to-heart talk together? And that is relationship with God. Prayer is about coming back to the lived reality of Adam and Eve in the garden. See, Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God throughout the garden. They worked with him. They ruled and reigned with him. They cultivated God's good creation with him. Prayer is about coming back to that place of relationship with him where you're simply walking with God. You're simply being with God. And you're not trying to create some sort of religious experience and start talking in some strange Victorian era English And pretending that somehow if I say thou and thee, then suddenly this is going to be a holy time. It's not. Let's not kid ourselves. Genuine intimacy requires that you express your heart in its truest sense to God. So prayer isn't an action. Prayer is a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle where we talk to our good father in heaven who wants to be in relationship with us. Now we believe that God will answer our prayers But we don't believe God will answer our prayers in response to certain actions we do. We believe that God answers prayers because he's a good father in heaven that wants to look after his children on earth. We don't believe that God will answer our prayers because I gave my tithe this month or I did the alpha course or I stopped and I was friendly to the lady at the till. And so for some reason now I can expect good things to come back in my direction. God is a good God, 
And that's simply it, why he wants to fulfill our prayers. I'm going to quote a few different people here today. The first is a Dutch Reformed minister from these 1800s from South Africa, the legendary Andrew Murray, who led a massive revival in 1865 right there in Cape Town. Andrew Murray said, faith in a prayer-wearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. Faith in a prayer-hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. Matthew chapter 6 is this. Here's what I wanted you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. That's that thou and thee thing where suddenly I'm going to pretend I'm all holy and I'm going to pretend like my life is all together and I'm going to put on some sort of prayer persona. Don't role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. Don't try to be fake before God. Don't try to pretend your heart is in it when your heart's not in it. We're going to get, we're going to unpack that statement just in a little bit now. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Don't approach God with a shopping list. Approach God for the sake of relationship. But we do still approach God with our shopping list. If you have a need, make your needs known to your father in heaven. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. We still approach that to God, but we don't approach prayer because we have a shopping list of needs. We approach God because we want to be in relationship with him. Mark chapter 6, 31, Jesus says to his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Come away to a desolate place and rest a while. How many people experience prayer as that experience where you're going to something and leaving refreshed? I mean, honestly, who here can say that your times of prayer, you leave your times of prayer in the morning as a time of genuine refreshing? Or is it just something you get through? Mata El Miskin, who was a famous Coptic monk, said a prayer is the answer to our soul's need for worship. But in prayer, there seems to be this contrast. But when it comes to our prayer life, that we all recognize we have to do it. We all, I think we can all testify. You, yeah? Something we have to do. But who here can honestly say that prayer is a very easy thing for them? Let's be honest. Prayer just isn't an easy thing. So we recognize there's a soul's need for us to pray, but we also recognize that it's not an easy thing. But what is it in us that is this tension in us? And as Matel Miskin says, prayer is the answer to our soul's need for worship. Let's unpack John chapter 4, verse 23. It says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Let's unpack this scripture. The hour is coming and is now here. The first aspect we can learn from prayer from this passage is that prayer is urgent and is not something we should be postponing. We have a need for it. Our souls have a need for it. Just like you've got a physical need for physical food, you don't postpone your meal time until you're in a better headspace or a better place to sit down and have a proper meal. Likewise, we don't postpone our prayer until we're in a better headspace and we're going to get the right posture and get on our knees and fold our hands. Prayer is urgent. Our families have a deep need for it. Our churches have a deep need for the church to start praying again. And you know what? Jeffrey's Bay has a need for this church to start praying. Because in prayer, if you cultivate that relationship with God, you might just discover that God 
starts working through you. The second point, it says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Second aspect of prayer is worship as a prayer as worship in the spirit. Prayer is true and authentic only when it comes deeply from our hearts. It is sometimes exactly our hearts that we keep from God in prayer, though. We try, try to shield the truth of our hearts from God in prayer rather than being authentic and opening up to him. Prayer should become an overflow of our heart's desire. It's not a last resort kind of thing. God will always hear prayers of needs. That last minute emergency tongues prayer meeting where everything's going wrong. And so you just find a quiet space and just burst into praying in tongues for half an hour. Because you sometimes it's a prayer of emergency. We call this emergency tongues as pastors. That's an industry secret. Lloyd will know about that one. Prayer is about our foundational dependence on God. It is an opportunity for us to turn our crises into God-appointed moments. God will never despise prayers of last resorts, but we shouldn't even get to the point where prayer is last resort. How many issues in our life could, could we have resolved a lot earlier if we simply anticipated it in prayer in an earlier point? And then the third point is the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The third aspect of prayer is that prayer is a gift from God. Not only does humanity have a deep need for it, but it is something that God himself desires for us to partake of. And because it is a desire from God himself, in the depth of our soul, we can find a deep longing to draw us deeper into it. When St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of the early church fathers, was traveling on his way to Rome to actually be executed, he wrote down, he says, there is in me living water that murmurs, come to the Father. Ignatius, on his way to be executed for being a Christian apologist, wrote down that he felt in him in his journey to his death a deep murmur to come to the Lord in prayer. Now, during my time living in the monastery, I had a lot of time and a lot of um, opportunities to learn about a diverse way of prayer, different ways to engage with God. And we had a Benedictine monk come in to teach us for a couple of days on prayer. His name's Luigi Gioia. You might recognize the name from the Alpha course. Um, and Luigi taught us um, at this point, he wrote a book while I was still there called Say It to God. It was the Archbishop of Canterbury's Lent book for 2018. Brilliant book if you haven't read it. I really, really recommend it. But Luigi unpacked prayer for us, and he says that prayer has to be three things. He said, it must be simple, it must be honest, and it is something we must keep going. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate your prayers. You're not going to convince God of your needs by saying it for longer than you need. Think about a kid. A kid coming and asking for food isn't going to convince a parent to provide for them by changing their language, by trying different aspects and different approaches. You simply just talk to people. Keep it simple. God already knows what you need. Don't overcomplicate your prayer life. Victorian English or King James English is not the answer to fulfilled prayers. The second is keep it honest. We sometimes have this idea that we need to be in the right mindset to pray 
or in the right mood or have a certain enthusiasm about prayer. And sometimes that comes from a genuine heartfelt need where we want to give our all to God. We want to be true to God, and so we don't want to give a half-hearted prayer. But we forget that God walks with us. He knows what's going on with you. And he'll rather have those moments where in the day-to-day, as you're going, him talking and walking it through with you, he'll rather take those prayers than no prayer at all. How often do we simply just not pray because we're not in the right mood to pray or in the right mindset to pray? How often do we not pray because we are too stressed or just too much, too anxious or going through too much in life to prayer? We're feeling anger, we're feeling sad, and we think, I'm just not in the right headspace to pray right now. What if this isn't something that should be keeping us from prayer, but what if this is exactly the thing that should be our launching point for prayer? In the book, Luigi says, um, in his book, Say to God, he says, come to God with whatever emotion it is that you're experiencing and express that as your starting point of prayer to God. Say to God what you're going through. If you're going through the day and you're feeling a deep frustration, come to God and say to God, Father, I am feeling incredibly frustrated right now. That is prayer. If you're feeling incredibly joyful, God, I'm feeling so good right now. Thank you so much for the blessing. Your joy is your starting point. If you're feeling sad, Father, I have this deep sorrow within me. Will your spirit come into this? Whatever it is you're going through, whatever emotion it is you're going through, whatever crisis you are facing, turn that into the launching points for your prayer. Don't ever withhold the authenticity of your heart to God. He wants to know you. He wants to experience you. He wants to be invited into everything you're experiencing. You might be wondering, can anger really be prayer? It was for Jesus. The most heartfelt and the most important prayer ever prayed in human history was Jesus praying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a prayer. But the key was that Jesus said, my God, my God. He took his feeling of God forsakenness and he expressed it as a prayer to God, reflecting what all of humanity goes through. Present your thoughts and all the complexities of your emotion to God in prayer. Make it prayer. And then the third point there is keep it going. You can pray in dedicated times in the mornings, afternoons, or evenings. I followed a very strict rhythm of prayer when I lived in the monastery. Or you can just pray on the go in the everyday with God. Smith Wigglesworth, a Pentecostal evangelist, said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer, but I never go half an hour without praying. See, prayer is this incredible opportunity for us to talk to our Father in heaven, grow in relationship with him, make our needs known to him. It is the power of miracles. It has the power to change our lives. But what happens, though, when all we find in prayer is silence? Because let's be honest, it's one thing to glorify prayer when you're actually talking to God. All you're finding is unanswered questions, provision that never took place. How we deal with unanswered prayer will be the determining factor of whether or not we will have a healthy prayer life. Now, I can't encourage you to pray this morning without dealing with this concept of unanswered prayer. Because there's a lot of people that simply don't pray because there was a time when they were passionate about it. 
And then suddenly they encountered a period of silence, a wilderness period in their walks of walks with God. And because of that experience, we've stopped praying. There are so many examples of promised prayer and answered prayer in scripture. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Over John 5, 14, and this is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. But passages like this all have in common is the will of God. I've asked, I've heard people ask the most incredible things in prayer and then finish the prayer in the name of Jesus as if that's the special magic spell to make it happen. If that worked, there would be a lot more lotto winners in the church. You see, the names of God has to do with the will of God. We're currently busy with a devotion series, uh, Mondays to Fridays on the names of God. The name of God has to do with the will of God. Whatever we ask in the will of God, the Father will fulfill. Why? Because it is his will. So the trouble we sit in is discerning the will of God in prayer so that we can partner with that prayer and pray whatever it is that we desire in the will of God. And we will see it happen because it is his will. There's a lot of different names in scripture that's been revealed to us. Helper, provider, protector, comforter, father, the banner, the protector, El Shaddai, Nisi, Jaira, Rapha, Yahweh, Adonai. But what do we do with unanswered prayer? I have a core value when it comes to prayer. My core value when it comes to prayer is this. When I pray, something happens. That's a core value I have. Whether I can recognize something happening or not, something happens. What I want to happen doesn't always happen. But my core value in prayer is something is happening when I'm praying. Jesus says that he only does what he sees, actively sees his father doing. See, Jesus lived the life completely aware of what heaven was busy doing. But how many of us approach our prayer life actively aware of what God is doing? When I face unanswered prayer, I don't ask God, God, why is this not happening? I ask God, what are you doing? Because I'd rather respond to what the Father is presently doing and find his grace and his breakthrough there than put all of my thoughts and will and emotions into what I'm assuming he's not doing. This happens when I pray for healing all the time. You're praying for someone's sore elbow and that nothing's happening there. But when you start asking the person what they're experiencing, they're suddenly feeling an influx of peace coming into them. And they're dismissing the peace, not as the presence of the Prince of Peace, because they're so focused on the shoulder needing healing. But if you would just recognize that the Prince of Peace has put himself upon you, you can start thanking him for his presence of peace. And every single time that happens, the breakthrough happens but he doesn't always move in the way that we are aware. So ask God, what are you doing in comes to prayer? Don't ask him, Father, why is this not happening? Or why are you being quiet? Or why are you not providing? What is God doing? It's not just peace. It's the Prince of Peace. It is the voice of God saying, I am with you through this. You can do this. I am holding your hand. I am walking this with you. You can take that step of faith because I am with you. 
But sometimes we're crippled in taking steps of faith because we want the breakthrough to be there before we've expressed our trust in God. But heaven is so often released through just an act of obedience, even when we don't see it happening. There are, however, also major times where there's some serious things that we are believing God for and it's just not happening. For instance, physical healing, where it's a life or death situation and you're standing and trusting and believing God for healing. I firmly believe that a Christian faith has to have space for mystery. A faith that has no space for a mystery is a faith that just won't endure. There are things that you will not have answered. There are things that won't be fulfilled. There are healings that won't happen. I'm a healing evangelist. I pray for a lot of sick people. The more people I pray for, the more people I see healed. But the more people I pray for, also the more people I don't see healed. But if every time I face someone not getting healed, if every time I face that and I stop praying, I would never see breakthrough again. I prayed for over probably 120 people in wheelchairs before I saw one girl get out of it. Like 20 people after that didn't get out of the wheelchairs. And then another guy got out. If I stopped after that first or second or third person in a wheelchair not getting healed, how many people would still be in wheelchairs? We had in the beginning of the year, we had a lady come into church in a wheelchair. She left walking. Two years in a wheelchair completely paralyzed. How you deal with unanswered prayer today will determine the faithfulness and the fruitfulness of your faith tomorrow. But we sometimes just need to have a box of mystery where we say, not my will, but your will. And Father, I don't understand what's happening right now, but you are still on the throne. You are still good. You are still faithful. When healing doesn't happen, God is still the healer. When provision doesn't happen, he is still the provider. But scripture says that we live in a kingdom that is now and not yet. We call this the eschatological tension. Scripture is clear that Jesus brought the kingdom of God with him. But scripture also says that forceful, forceful men is taking it by force. And the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. We've got the promise from Habakkuk that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters covers the seas. So we live in a kingdom that is now, but we're also living in a kingdom that is being established. The kingdom now tells me that every person I pray for will be healed. Lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's the promise. There's not a single instance in scripture where anyone who needed healing came to Jesus or the disciples and wasn't healed. So that is the kingdom now expectation that every person I pray for will be healed. But I also live in the understanding that I'm not living in the fullness of the kingdom that is still being established. So the kingdom not yet tells me I may not see every person healed just yet. But it's not for me to discern or to decide when is the kingdom now and when is the kingdom not yet. And so every person that comes to me, I'm going to pray with you for the expectation that you will get healed as if I live in the fullness of the kingdom now. So press in. Don't stop praying because you're encountering dry seasons or seasons of silence. Don't press in if you're not, if, because you're unable to create a space for mystery. Pursue God and pursue the fullness of God. And sometimes if you're really and genuinely struggling, pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will. Jeba, I strongly feel like God is wanting to impart a spirit of wholeness into this community. 
And before we, as we, as we wrap up, as we end, can I ask that you stand up? I'm, I feel a strong sense that there's a lot of people here that's key, that has people on their hearts, certain specific needs. It could be financial needs. It could be needs for physical healing, friends or family, or even you sitting here right now, sitting with a chronic issue that you're believing God for. Can we just pray for an importation of the spirit of wholeness into this community? But I want you to keep that person you're standing in faith for right now. Keep them in your mind. Keep them in your thoughts. And just put your hands out in front of you. And let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit. Father, send forth a spirit of wholeness. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you that your word says that by your stripes we were healed. Thank you that healing is not something we have to ask for. But we can thank you for it because you've already paid the price for it. Father, whatever it is that we're standing here in need of, will your spirit go forth and impart wholeness? impart healing where there is unrest father will you send your spirit as rest where there is anxiety will you send in your joy and spirit as comforter will you come in and give us the grace to develop space for mystery Give us the grace to press into relationship with you in prayer. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.